Hi and welcome to The Booby Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And like we mentioned last week, exciting news, we are officially on Patreon. Official. <laughs> big news, big news. You can become a patron just by going to patreon.com slash theboovygirls. It's just more us, all, which is what all you us. want. Right. All us all the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. This week we are covering Dr. Sleep. First of all, I almost feel like our uh, our intro music is a little too like upbeat and like nice for what we're talking about. Well, yeah. <laughs> I could have used the actual music that they do in the movie, but I think no. there's like copyright infringement. Well, we don't want to <laughs> creep people out too much. Uh, but I've titled this episode, Eat Well, Live Long. Ah, I like it. People. <laughs> Crazy people. Crazy uh, people. The book was originally published September 24th, 2013, and it's written by the notorious Stephen King. The movie came out in 2019, uh, so pretty recent. It's rated R, drama, fantasy, horror. Uh, It's two hours and 32 minutes, which is right about the same length as The Shining. It was written and screenwritten by Mike Flanagan, uh, and he actually directed and screenwrote Haunting of Hill House and Blythe Manor, which Haunting of Hill House, I literally get goosebumps thinking about it because it's terrifying. You say that all the time. I still haven't watched it. It's so terrifying. But it's interesting after, I didn't know that until after I watched the movie and now seeing it, there was a lot of elements that he did in Haunting of Hill House that were actually reflected in this movie. So it makes sense. Hmm, That's interesting. So the IMDb synopsis reads, Years following the events of The Shining, and now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. I feel like that's a good overall synopsis. It is Dan, not Danny anymore. Nope, he's good old Dan. (laughs) He did the right thing and changed his name to an adult name as opposed to keeping it Danny. This is true. (laughs) All right, so some fun facts about the book. Once The Shining had come out years, years later, in 2009, King actually posted to his official website a poll asking his readers, would you rather me write the next, you know, the sequel to The Shining, which he was going to name Dr. Sleep, or would you want a sequel to The Dark Tower? So voting ended and Dr. Sleep won by a slim margin. It got 5,861 votes, whereas the sequel to Dark Tower, which is The Wind Through the Keyhole, only got 5,812. So literally by a slim margin did we get Dr. Sleep. (laughs) I was shocked how long it is between The Shining and Dr. Sleep. And it's interesting because I felt like there's a lot more like modern things in this Mm -hmm. book. So having just read The Shining, it's so different different it is the way it's written i i'm glad that he waited though to at least give us adult dan or danny you know um so i liked that he it took him this long so the story was partly inspired by oscar who is a therapy cat who allegedly predicts the deaths of terminally ill patients which we actually see in the movie get the cats away from me (laughs) leave them Outside the door. <laughs> the dog or the cat's name in the movie is Azriel or Azzy, as they call him. Basically, during an interview, uh, Stephen said that he, it's like the cat was the transmission and Danny was the motor. Hmm. So, um, Do you know uh, what what the name Azriel, like why he named him that? No. What is it? Azriel is the angel of death. Oh. Mm-hmm. So is that go. like a bu- biblical thing? Should mm-hmm. I have known that? Nah, probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they actually set the original published date 
for the book to January 15th, 2013. But he realized that there was a lot of editing that still needed to be done on the book. So he scratched that. And the funny thing is the book had already gone on pre-sale. So people were already trying to purchase it. He's like, nope, scratch that. We're going to push it all the way to September. Um, And then lastly, the book won the 2013 Bram Stoker Award for Best Novel. In just kind of delving into Stephen King a little bit more. From what I've heard, there is an entire Stephen King universe and all of these books are connected in one way or the other. And especially Dark Tower, which everyone is really, really crazed over. So I'm kind of surprised that this one had won over that. I mean, granted, slim margin, like literally the smallest of margins, but interesting. I'm glad it did. (laughs) So Rotten Tomatoes, uh, currently is at 77% for this for this movie, which is pretty good, especially yeah. for a horror movie. People are really, you know, hard on those ones. Uh, box office, a budget was about $45 million. It only grossed a little over $31 million, which is actually less than The Shining. But worldwide gross, it raised about $72 million, so it actually did better overseas than it did here. Interesting. So Maybe there's more Stephen King fans over abroad. I guess. <laughs> so... Just like in The Shining, I, we could literally do an entire episode of just things that came out of this movie. There are so many like Easter eggs throughout this. So I pulled out a few that I thought were interesting, uh, but I could go on and on. And again, <laughs> if you have time or just need time to kill, just look through this because it's crazy. So the Overlook Hotel actually makes an appearance in the movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't in the book. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but Mike Flanagan actually... Um, recreated the sets off of the blueprints that he had to acquire from Stanley Kubrick, who was the director of The Shining, from his estate. So he had to actually go and ask for those. That's cool. Um, so he could really make sure the scene or the, you know, the set was exactly how it was in the, in the I other I felt movie. like it pretty much was. I thought it was too. Yeah. I'm, I think it looked a little better actually. <laughs> but, you know. It is 2019. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So there are a lot of elements that came from The Shining uh, during this movie, uh, but really like duplicate sets, look like actors, all this stuff, but really only three shots were used from the original movie. There's an aerial shot of the water. Um, there's one of the islands and there's a couple of the, of like the roads and stuff. But other than that, it was all brand, brand new. new stuff. But I thought it was kind of cool that they kept in some of the old footage. They must've had to remaster it to make it look. Oh yeah. yeah. Movie magic. I'm sure. <laughs> So this next part, what I thought was funny, while I'm watching this movie, as Dan is being interviewed for this job, I was like, this office looks really familiar. And as reading through research for this movie, they actually replicated to the exact identical of Stuart Ullman's uh, office from The Shining that Jack had interviewed in. I would never have caught that. I was like, this looks so familiar. And then I was like, (laughs) wow, I can catch things. (laughs) I apparently cannot. (laughs) Uh, so it's funny though, cause I was watching this movie with boyfriend Ray, who's never seen the shining. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I literally had a sweet, he was like, well, what's that? Why is that? Why is that interesting? I'm like, you haven't seen the shining. Maybe we should just stop and you should go back. Go back and watch that. <laughs> I do, That's true. I they, do recommend like watching the shining before this one. Well, yeah. Like you say, there's a lot of different nods back to the shining. So it wouldn't necessarily confuse you, but it would definitely make the viewing a lot more enjoyable if you knew what happened in the shining exactly but also he was asking a million questions i was like well i guess maybe our listeners will have these same questions i'll write them down (laughs) 
So there's a scene uh, where Azrael, the cat, jumps on uh, the front desk by Dan. And one of the Easter eggs that comes up is that he's he actually puts down a magazine. And it was the same magazine, January 1978 issue of Playgirl magazine, that Jack was reading in The Shining. That's hilarious. So, Hold on. Did you actually catch that? No, I didn't okay. catch that uh, one. I read about that one. But... I was going to say, if you caught that and I did it, like, I'm doing something <laughs> wrong. <laughs> So the sound of Dan's car driving over the bridge in the woods, he was on his way um, during one of the shootouts in the movie. They actually use the sound of little Danny's trike riding through the hallways of the Overlook. Yeah, I like I that. I thought the sound editing in this movie was phenomenal. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so talking about going back to Azrael the cat, like I said, she's the angel of, angel of death, but there's an eight year time gap between when we're introduced to her and later on in the movie. So they had to use two different cats to one make, you know, to make sure one was older looking, but they said both cats were horrible and that they wouldn't sit still. Oh, I didn't even tell the difference. between. I the, couldn't tell either. Yeah, they both look the same age. To Once me. a cat gets out of the kitten stage, it's hard to say, see when it. That's true. So one of the major things we will talk about later is how the overlook is not in the book. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember in The Shining, it blew it up. Blew up. <laughs> so, but Flanagan wanted to rewrite it back into the movie and really trying to keep the consistency with the cinematic universe of The Shining mm-hmm. um, and not so much the book universe. And I thought that was a great decision. I do too. I actually thought he did a very good job of kind of intermixing the two. Yeah. I couldn't imagine how hard it was to probably screenwrite this. Well, and, you know, he didn't necessarily have big shoes to fill because as we talked about in the Shining episode, Stephen King did not like Kubrick's no. uh, version. No, so. not at all. <laughs> Another Easter egg that you'll find is that Abra's house number is 1980, which was the release of The Shining. I did notice that. You got that one? Yes. <laughs> so we talked about last episode in The Shining, the uh, bloody elevator scene. Mm-hmm. So they didn't use that that was not reused from the original Shining. They actually redid that scene uh, because they had to make it because Rose is right next to it. They had to make it look like she was, you know, the right height with it. Yeah. So they ended up recreating a, dig- a digital creation, which I'm sure took a lot less time yes, <laughs> than probably. it did in The Shining. <laughs> in Dr. Sleep, the novel, Andy leaves the movie theater. And in the movie, they, or in the book, they talk about how it's Raiders of the Lost Ark that she was going to see, mm-hmm. which... If you remember, one of the sets was in The Shining was reused right. to help uh, shoot Indiana Jones. Uh, but in the film, he actually changed it to Casablanca because it was his favorite movie. Oh, well, I like him because it's one of my favorites, well, too. Well, there you go. It's a great movie. <laughs> and really, there's just a ton of Easter eggs throughout, throughout this entire movie of The Shining, but actually a lot more of The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking... You know, the Dark Tower and all all that is, I need to get into it. I was going to say, I think I need to read The Dark Tower. I feel is like that a movie? Confuse me. Uh, I believe it is. <laughs> oh, great. Well, add it to our list. <laughs> uh, and then, so the filmmakers debated a lot if they should use CGI of the older characters, um, you know, because there's scenes mm-hmm. where they're flashbacks, or should they, you know, use other techniques or should they just recast and everything? And I guess that was one of the biggest debates of the entire movie. They ended up just re recasting, recasting which uh, if you listen to the last episode, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> In Wendy's case. Yes. Uh, I feel like they could have used Jack Nicholson, but on the same note, I feel like the guy that they picked, like for the most part, 
did a decent job, yeah. like, replicating, you know, the essence of Jack Torrance. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it probably could have gone either way. I can see why they probably debated, you know, a long time about yeah. it. Uh, and according to Flanagan, uh, Stephen King really liked the idea of giving Dr. Sleep the ending that Kubrick was supposed to give it. Oh, in the my Shining. God. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think Stephen King, you know, this was almost like, I think he just needed to, to do it. And mm-hmm. he needed it to be done the way that he yeah. had envisioned it. And I don't blame him. And I thought, again, I thought he did a fabulous job of kind of, you know, bringing in the shining and bringing in what actually happened. And I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. So the cast of the movie, Dan Torrance, who is obviously the little kid from the shining is now grown up is he's played by Ewan McGregor. He's Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Most boyfriend Ray knew that right off the bat. Uh, he plays the bad guy in Harley Quinn, birds of prey. And he's also, um, Lumiere from beauty and the beast. Oh, so, uh, I think he looks wildly like Jason Bateman. I thought the same Did you? Okay. Thing. Cause Ray was like, no, he doesn't. I was like, no, that is Jason Bateman. There was a couple of scenes. I think it's like towards the end of the movie where he's like holding the ax. And yeah. I'm like, is, is Jason Bateman like his, right. his body double? Okay. Like, what's the situation? I'm so happy you thought that because I no, thought it I was did. crazy. It was more so once he shaved off the beard, yeah. obviously, but that's so funny. <laughs> uh, so he is, he's Scottish, mm-hmm. which I've never actually heard his Scottish accent, but I, I bet it's know fabulous. <laughs> uh, he admitted that he really doesn't like horror movies. He finally said that he would start watching The Shining because he wanted to uh, to do this, mm-hmm. <laughs> to do this role. He said he could no longer ignore like this classic genre and right. he had the opportunity to do it. So I was glad he did it. Uh, other people that were up for this role were Jeremy Renner, who plays um, Hawkeye in mm-hmm. Marvel, uh, Dan Stevens, Chris Evans, who seems to be up for every role. <laughs> Everyone loves him. Everyone loves him. But ultimately it went to McGregor uh, and with Stephen King's blessing. So I liked it. I thought he did a very good job. Yes. And I'm glad they didn't recast, you know, the real Dan Torrance, the guy who played Dan oh, Torrance that's from right. the original. He looks nothing like him. That's so Give funny. it a goo. Yeah. He looks nothing like yeah. him. But I thought he did a great job. I did too. I, I thought it was a definite hit. So Rose the Hat, who is the main villain in the movie, is played by Rebecca Ferguson. And she stars in all of pretty much all of the Mission Impossible movies. I don't know too much about her, but I um, thought she did a, a really good job. She did uh, reveal in an, in an interview that, again, horror is not really... A genre or one of her favorites uh but she's a huge uh stephen king fan so she wanted to how can you not be a fan of horror but you could be a stephen king fan maybe she just likes reading his not look if you know maybe she didn't like the way kubrick did the shining <laughs> not a lot of people did so All right. <laughs> um she actually won a fangoria chainsaw award for best supporting actress <laughs> That's a serious award. Would you like to know what it is? Sure. <laughs> I never thought you'd ask. Uh, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards are an, an award ceremony focused on horror films and thriller films. Beginning in 1992, the awards were expanded and an annual ceremony was inaugurated to give out the awards. And I will, I want, I need to post a picture of the award because it's like a chainsaw, but like kind of looks like something different. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. So I was like, what is that? So I'll post it on our Instagram. Interesting. Um, is it an American award show? Uh, not sure. Hmm. Probably. Because I pride myself on watching all of the award shows. I'm all about award season. What <laughs> is our favorite season? Award awards. season. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought she did good. I mean, in the book, they, you know, they 
talk about how she's beautiful and 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 everything and i thought i thought she was a good fit for the role i agree there was a because in the book they kind of talk about you know when she's preying on on these little children like she gets this weird look on her face she has this like one tooth that you know so i kind of missed that because they switched it in the movie she her eyes like light up whenever she feeds or she takes the steam or however they say it um so i kind of missed that but for the most part yeah she's beautiful and i thought she did a really really good job yeah so Aberstone, she is kind of like Dan Torrance's protege <laughs> type thing, is played by Kaylee Curran. I think her last name is pronounced. It's her first major film. Uh, they actually auditioned over 800 girls nationwide, and ultimately she won the role, obviously. And she said before filming Doctor Sleep, she watched The Shining four times. Wow. <laughs> to, get, to get ready for the role. Good for her. Uh, she wasn't what I expected at all. Well, no, she's supposed to be a blonde with blue eyes. Right. So, <laughs> but I thought she was so good. So I watched a show called, or I watched because they freaking canceled it, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, yeah. and there's oh the a, newer ones. The newer ones. Got it. And there's a girl who plays, there's a girl in that, in that show that mm. reminded me a lot of her. And so I thought she did a really great job. I think we're going to see her in a lot more things. I liked that they kind of took that and made it basically relevant to 2019. It was very, they had a biracial family. <laughs> very progressive. Yes. Very progressive. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. That's, and there's a part where she has to act like Dan. Mm-hmm. Cause he kind of comes into her body. That's right. And I thought she, I was like, I buy it. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I haven't been hung over in a few years. Yeah. I'm like, Same girl. I same. Thought, I thought she was great. So, Uh, So Billy Freeman, uh, who is, he kind of befriends Dan when he moves to New Hampshire. It's played by Cliff Curtis. He's from New Zealand. He's most famously known for Walking Dead. He was made, or he was in the Meg, uh, Fast and the Furious. Um, And he's going to be in the upcoming Avatar movies. He was in Fast and the Furious? Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, the one I didn't see. Got <laughs> yes. it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've seen him in uh, The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I love him. The thing I struggled with with a lot of these actors, they all had like really random accents. Yeah. I didn't really know. Like, I don't know what a New Hampshire accent sounds like. I don't like, think it was don't, any of that. Yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> so I really like him. I think he's a great actor yeah. and I've seen him in so many things. So I was happy to see him. He's familiar in the sense that I, I've seen him before, but I've personally never seen him in anything, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed him in this. And again, in the movie, he's supposed to be a white man. So I liked that, again, they... They were, again, very, very progressive. progressive. <laughs> <laughs> so Crow Daddy uh, is played by Zane McLaren. Uh, and he's in Westworld. Yes. So I, I love him you in Westworld. Would, uh, you would uh, pick up on that. Uh, he, I got a lot of like Johnny Depp vibes from him when he was wearing that hat, you know? No, like exactly. from like Secret Window. <laughs> like, and I, I thought he was so good. I loved him. I, I mean, like, let's great. be honest, like the poor man's Johnny Depp. It's fine. But it, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked him. I thought he was good. A Snake by Andy was played by, oh, she's another member of the True Not along with Crow Daddy, and which is kind of like this cult that we'll get into. So Snakebite Andy is played by Emily Allen Lind. Uh, She's going to be in the reboot of Gossip Girl, which didn't know there was going to be one. That's exciting. Yeah. And uh, she's in the Revenge series. Uh, And one thing that... Yes, yes, she's a little girl. Okay, yeah. So she's a lot. She's eighteen now. Um. So in the in the novel, Andy's actually a lot older. Mm -hmm. Um. And so they ended up casting her quite a bit younger but i thought she looked older yeah she could have passed she's supposed as... to be 15 right in the movie yeah 15 yeah, she's she... only 18 but she looks like she could be 27 totally so she's beautiful she though. is very pretty but she towards the end of this movie she got really creepy looking 
And I was like... I think that's the point, right? Well, yeah, but like really creepy, like <laughs> possessed creepy. But I liked her. I thought she was great. Yeah, I did too. So you mentioned earlier that there's a bartender that comes into play at the very end um, who's supposed to be Jack Nicholson from the first movie. Uh, it's played by a guy named Henry Thomas, and he's actually in Haunting of Hill House and will be in Blythe Manor oh. um, coming up. And he said that he watched Jack Jack Nicholson's scenes from The Shining hundreds of times to try to ma- master his body language. And I, I personally think he did it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I thought for what, I mean, come on. If you have to, if you, if you get cast for a role and be like, you have to be like this multi, you know, Academy Award winning <laughs> actor, go. No big deal. No way. <laughs> so I thought it was good. I wanted to add him into here. Uh, last person, a uh, spectator from the baseball game is actually pay- <laughs> played by Danny Lloyd, who was the original Danny Torrance in The Shining. I and did actually, not. I didn't catch him. You didn't? No, yeah, I didn't know where to stands. look for him. He's in the stands of the baseball game. He actually has like a couple lines. He does? Yeah, he talks about how uh, oh. Brad, Brad, you know, watch out for that kid. Yes. He looked a little up. different in the movie. That's probably why I didn't. He, he's old now. He's well. very old. Like, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> so, but I thought, I just love that, you know, all these Easter eggs throughout this movie were yeah. great. Uh, a couple things to, to know about the cast. Uh, the members of the True Knot, the cult that I was talking about, um, a lot of them have speaking parts throughout the book. Uh, we don't get, we get them in the movie, but they don't, a lot of them don't talk throughout the movie. Yeah. And then also there's no Momo. There's mention of there's Momo. Men- but no, and Momo is Abra's great grandmother yeah. who plays, you know, kind of a bigger role in the, in the book. So I was sad that we didn't get a Momo. I know. But that's okay, Tough. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time for our game rounds. First up, we've got Who Said It? I'm nervous about this one. Why? Because this book is... 637 pages. I thought it would never end. I literally, so I was driving back because we went out of town this weekend. I was yeah. like, what do I do if I just don't finish this movie or this book? <laughs> and boyfriend Ray's like, well, it might make better content if you don't. I was like, Rosha <laughs> will kill me if I don't finish this book. Yeah, you're my crutch. I you didn't do that. I did it. Um, well, so I pick these quotes before I watch the movie because mm-hmm. as I'm reading, I just kind of highlight them in my Kindle. So one of them is like vividly said in the movie. So at least you'll get that. Great. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. First one. Learning itself is a present, you know, the best one anybody can give or get. Learning. Learning. Halloran. Yes. yes. I would love that they brought him back. I did too. He was great. <laughs> okay. Wow. Here we go. We're all dying. The world's just a hospice with fresh air. Ooh, that was Dan. Yes. When he said it in the movie, I was like, oh, there goes my quote. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh gosh, that's kind of morbid. <laughs> but also like accurate. Very accurate. <laughs> all right. Next one. They kill people who get in their way and people who try to tell on them. And if they need to buy their way out of trouble, that's what they do. Ooh, they're talking about the true knot. Mm-hmm. Abra? Yes. Wow. I'm nervous. I was. Okay. <laughs> you, you picked some easy ones. You went easy on me. Last one. It makes sense, I suppose. Once you accept the idea there could be supernatural beings among us and feeding on us, an evil place would call evil creatures. They'd feel right at home there. Ooh, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I was Give me a hint, guy or girl? Guy. Is he in the in the movie? He is. Dr. John. Yes. I totally, I was a gimme. Yeah, okay, there you go. I was bummed because he doesn't have that big of a role in the movie, but no. I, I kept it in anyway. Well, good. All right, next up we got F. Mary Kill. Your options are Dan, Billy, and Rose the Hat. Wow. 
Dan, Billy, and Rose the Hat. <laughs> Got a smorgasbord. <laughs> All right. I will kill Dan because he, like, has some issues. <laughs> like, major issues. I don't know if I can handle it. I will marry Billy uh, because he seems nice and he's help- he helps people out. And he has that train. He has the train. He has the yeah. train. Uh, and then I will uh, head into the RV with Rose. Because she has an RV. She has a giant RV. I <laughs> loved her RV. It was very cute. Um, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. Well, there you go. I, I literally in my notes have Dan because he's got some issues. <laughs> <laughs> he has some issues, people. So yeah, I picked the same ones as you. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So let's get into this. We'll try to make it brief, but we never are brief. So here we go. <laughs> so we'll go along the timeline of the movie and we'll tell you kind of what was kept the same and what was what was different. Uh, so right off the bat, we get an opening scene with the opening music music of The Shining. I was, I was so like, happy. Here we go. Gird your <laughs> loins. We're in it. Uh, and right off the bat, uh, a little bit different uh, in the movie we get a scene of Danny and his mom in the book. Uh, we actually see uh, the RV park in mm-hmm. Florida in 1980. We get to see Rose the hat. And <laughs> it was so funny. Boyfriend Ray's like, oh God, she's going to hurt that little girl, huh? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a lot of other little kids. Uh, so, but we get to see the true knot right off the bat and know that they're doing some sinister things. Yes. Some sinister. very sinister things. And then it flashes to Danny at the overlook writing, that stupid tricycle. Uh, what do you mean? That was great. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and he's riding it and he's outside of room 237. So boom, we're right back in the shining. He sees Mrs. Macy in, in the room again. Uh, and he wakes up from his dream and you know, he's older and now he sees this woman in the bathtub. She looks just as disgusting and decrepit just as always. Disgusting. <laughs> uh, so he wakes up. He's, you know, he's back with his mom, Wendy. The new Wendy is so great. I love new Wendy. I do too. But honestly, she did a good job of like trying to be old Wendy. Right. But like not in an annoying way. Right. I did read that, that she actually, again, she went and watched a bunch of the yeah. movies too. And I'm like, you should have just done your own thing, girl. No, I but appreciated it's it. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, but they go, so Danny's not talking once again. Uh, so they go and visit Mr. Halloran. And in my notes, I have, he's alive, dot, 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 or is he? So in the book, he He is is physically alive. (laughs) Yes. If you remember from The Shining, they kill poor, poor, poor Dick. Yeah. They kill him. So I liked how they did it. So in the movie, they have him there, but clearly it ends up, you end up realizing he's not actually there. Yeah. Danny is just seeing him. Yeah. And I thought that was a good way of kind of bringing those two together. And I, I was too. happy they didn't <laughs> nix it. In my notes, I go ghost question mark. <laughs> Ghosty person. <laughs> Ghosty person. Uh, so, but uh, Mr. Halloran, he tells Danny about this trick about the lock boxes and how he can basically, when the ghost people come to visit him, he can lock them up into this, you know, lock box in his mind. And that's where he ends up putting, you know, Mrs. Massey in that box. And there's a point where new Wendy yells, Danny, Danny. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're back to 1980 and Stupid Wendy. At least she doesn't flail around. I know. It's awful. Uh, But yeah, so he puts Mrs. Macy in that box. In the book, they mentioned that he actually, he puts two people in a box. Mm -hmm. It's Mr. It's Horace from the, from the hotel and Mrs. Macy. So, so flash forward, Dan is now all grown up. He needs to shave. 
<laughs> and he wakes he wakes up next to a random woman. Then we get a flashback that he was totally out of his mind the night before. He beat up some guy with like a cue ball or something. Mm-hmm. And you need to take your medicine. Yeah. <laughs> Another Easter egg. I guess the uh, pool ball mm-hmm. is actually number 19, which I guess is referenced a lot in the Dark Tower is number 19. Well, and it's also, um, we'll get to it, but Bradley's jersey number. Yeah. Little bo- baseball there you boy. Go. Never going to look at 19 <laughs> the same. Uh, and then we, we find out that they bought a bunch of drugs the night before. All of his money is gone. He ends up, you know, the woman is still asleep in the bed. He finds her wallet. He takes the money that's in her wallet. And then a little kid walks out. Uh, it happens a little bit differently in the book. It's pretty drawn out in the book. Yeah. So basically he walks out. He's like screaming for it. Not screaming, but he's calling for his mom. He's like, mommy, mommy. Um, and then he notices something white on the table. So he, like any kid, thinks it's candy and runs towards it. Well, it's actually cocaine. Right. Not um, candy. So, so Candy, candy. Candy, candy. <laughs> so um, Dan does the right thing in this one instance and pushes the candy or the cocaine aside so the kid can't get to it um but essentially he has this moral dilemma of like okay well this kid looks like he has bruises on him he looks like he's been you know abused should i do something or should i just like leave them be he ends up ultimately taking the money leaving the kid with the mom and feeling very regretful throughout the rest of the book about it (laughs) well and i thought the kid was like a little bit older in the book too i didn't in my mind he was at least like like, this kid wasn't talking or anything. No, that's true, He's barely guess, yeah. standing. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so that was a big theme throughout the entire book that keeps popping up. It pops up a couple times throughout the, throughout the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next scene we get is a movie theater in New York, and that's where we see Andy. And Andy, you know, has some random guy come to meet her, and, you know, we find out that she can put people to sleep. Which I was like, that's kind of a cool power. <laughs> uh, and she's kind of doing the world a favor. Not going to lie. She basically is, you know, to catch a predator on her own yeah. and stealing money. So I couldn't hate her right then, at yeah. least. Some backstory on that. We don't really get it in the movie. But in the book, we find out that Andy was actually abused and raped by her father growing up. Right. So her doing this is basically getting back at what was done to her and destroying men's lives because men are scum. Right. In her eyes. Yes. Uh, So, but then Rose the Hat and uh, Crow Daddy end up trying to get her to come to join their little crony group. (laughs) But the next thing we see is Dan is now basically homeless. In the book, they talk about how he leaves town because he has no money. He thinks he's, you know, basically on the run from the police. Mm -hmm. Uh, He steals a homeless guy's blanket. Uh, So they kind of just show that briefly in the movie. And the next thing we see is Abra's birthday party, Mm -hmm. which this happens a little bit later in the book. And then the magician is there and uh, he's doing a trick with some spoons. And all of a sudden, you know, Abra's saying, I can do that. I can do that. And then her family goes inside and she has put all of the spoons up into the ceiling. And as she's done that, you we get a flash to Danny and Rose the hat that they can feel her power. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful she is. Um, in the book, there's a lot more that almost leads up to this birthday party. Uh, Dr. John, who is Abra's uh, pediatrician, pediatrician mm-hmm. is asked to come to this party because her parents have been seeing different you know, signs of these powers. Yeah. I was actually a little bummed. One major thing that kind of shocked me while I was reading is at one point when she's a little bit younger, both parents have dreams the same night 
a little different from each other. One wakes up or one sees um, the number 11 on Abra's chest. The other one sees another one. Well, we find out that these are actually the flight numbers of the planes that hit the Twin Towers in New York. So I got chills when I was reading that. Yeah. I like when books kind of make mention of current events and things that have happened. It's very similar to, I don't know if you've seen the movie Remember Me. Yes. It's kind of like that. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of a bummer that they didn't keep that in there. But things like that happen throughout leading up to what you said. Um, And oddly enough, Dr. John, who we do get in the movie, is not a pediatrician that we know of. He's just somebody that Dan meets at AA. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, but that's all we really get of her birthday party in the movie. There's not much else to it. Uh, And the next scene is we're back at the RV park. Uh, with Rose and Andy. And I have in my notes here that I just love Rose's RV, like the inside <laughs> of it. And Very and it, they're these giant, beautiful RVs. Like these people are not like slumming it. Like these are huge RVs. Uh, and I also have here that they're like, Andy's 15. I'm like, 15? I was like, she is not that young in the book. And I ended up reading later that they actually changed that because they didn't, because they wanted to focus more on more of like the intern teacher type relationship between Mm -hmm. Rose and her because in the book they have a sexual relationship. That's right. And so they wanted to kind of keep away from that, I guess. So sure. But like knowing what we know happened in the book, we assume that that happened also in the movie. So that's creepy. If she had sex with a 15 year old. Right. It's a little strange. Um, But she offers Andy to be, um, to become one of them. And this is where she says, eat well, live long. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we, you know, We all know what happens. She ends up joining them. Uh, But the next thing we get is Dan is now in New Hampshire. So he gets onto a bus uh, in New Hampshire. And what we don't get in the movie is, you know, in the book, uh, Mr. Hollering kind of comes through him and is like, you need to like settle down, like Mm -hmm. pick a place. (laughs) And he kind of like almost tells him like, this is your place. Like you need to settle down. And this is where it it him that tells him or does Tony come to him and tell him? I thought it was Hollering. I feel like I, ha- I had somewhere in my notes, maybe I'm wrong, but I think, oh, I think it's like right when he gets off the bus, Tony comes to him and says like, this is this the place. Is it. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe Halloran was te- told him that he needs to find a, find place, a place. And then Tony's like, yeah. yep, boy, this is it. Yeah. Uh, but we get to see Teeny Town, which <laughs> is, you know, the recreation of all of like the buildings inside of this town and the train. Which I was sad we didn't get to see them like ride it or drive it, but it almost looks like um, the Hogwarts train, like the front of it. Um, <laughs> the front of it, it does a very mediocre version it of does. the Hogwarts train. It does I thought that was interesting because in the movie or in the book, uh, we get a whole scene where they drive this train like out into like the boonies. I feel like the train in the movie would not have made it that far. No, no, <laughs> but the train we hear about this dang train. <laughs> Throughout the book. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, but this is where we meet Billy. Billy's the one who kind of helps, you know, with the train mm-hmm. and Teeny Town and all this stuff. And he just wants to help out Dan. He can see that he's, you know, in need of some help. Um, Billy's also very young in this movie compared yes, to the book. Yes, he's supposed to, He has, like, gray hair in the mm-hmm. book. And he finds him a place to stay. Uh, and we get the first vision of the... Um, of the... Of the chalkboard blackboard the blackboard and i i was again very progressive it was like chalkboard paint it wasn't just a a little blackboard (laughs) i know which is a little different from the movie or from the book um in the book he actually ends up living in the hospice that he actually ends up working at Mm -hmm. um in the movie it's just some room that he rents and the 
blackboard ends up being there. Yeah. So different, but it serves the same purpose. Exactly. And we also find out that Billy kind of has a little bit of shine himself. He kind of can sense things, um, but it's uh, it's obviously explained more in, in the book, but um, they do hint on it at that point. The next thing that happens is we see Andy, Snakebite Andy, uh, she turns and becomes part of the member of the True Knot, and they say that stupid chant, how they, I don't even know what it is. And then this is kind of where we get to really, you know, understand kind of what they're doing and that they have these canisters of steam and that they inhale this steam, they eat this steam and that's kind of what keeps them young. And they're not immortal Mm -hmm. because if they don't take steam, they will die. But um, we kind of see that that's kind of how, you know, they become who they are. And all I say is like, ouch, like this like looks like it really hurts. Yeah. I I thought they did a good job of kind of conveying that in the movie because while reading, you do get a sense of like, this is really freaking painful. Yeah. So I thought the actress who who plays Andy did a very good job of like portraying that. Yeah. So now she is now part of the true knot. And the next thing we get is Dan is in bed and he wakes up and Deanie, the woman who he, you know, woke up with years ago, uh, or I guess it wasn't years ago at this point, um, is in bed with him and she's dead. Mm-hmm. And then the kid is in, in bed with him yeah. too and he's dead. And there's flies all over their faces. And I'm like, and boyfriend is like, oh my God, are they dead then? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they're dead. And they don't explain that in the movie. In the book, they explain what happened. Yeah, in the book, he actually has like a, one of his... I don't what are we called the shining he has the shining and basically comes to find out that the boy eventually does get beaten to death by I believe his uncle yeah um and then his mom ends up overdosing after that and that's kind of how they end but yeah there's no mention of that they're just already dead they're just there but she does have the flies all over her face yes which is good to note (laughs) yes So right after that happens is when Dan goes to Billy and is like I need some help Mm -hmm. so he takes him to AA we meet John, Dr. John Dalton, very briefly. And at this meeting, Dan sees him rubbing his wrist. So he realizes that, you know, he's missing his watch. And Dan, you know, because he has the shiny, he Mm -hmm. knows where it is. That was, I didn't really understand why they kept it in the movie. Because in the book, it kind of served the purpose of Dan and John's relationship. Of how it kind of started and built that trust. Mm -hmm. I felt like there was no point of keeping it in in the movie. I think it was just another way of basically showing people like this this guy knows more than he leads on to know. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't serve any purpose because after this point, aside from the interview we're going to talk about in a second, he's irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so now, but then Dan gets a, a job offer at the hospice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we see that John is actually the hiring manager at the hospice. <laughs> I guess. And um, this is where he's in the office that looks exactly like Mr. Ullman's office from the Overlook Hotel. And he offers Dan the job at the hospice care. I believe in the book, like Dan kind of had some orderly experience and he doesn't really, you don't really find that out in the movie at all. No. Yeah. He had some work. Cause again, uh, leading up into this, he was kind of going from city to city, kind of doing whatever, any jobs that he could find. So yeah, he has some experience there. Um, and then another thing to note, Dr. John is not the one that offers him the job in yeah. the book. There's a whole other character named Casey who 
he essentially becomes Dan's sponsor yeah. for AA. We don't see him at all in the movie. So they've kind of comboed Dr. John and Casey into one character, essentially. They and seem to like to do these in these adaptations. Yeah. Just mold people together. I get it. But also, like, if you're going to give me, like, every character in the True Knot, why not give me Casey, too? <laughs> truth. Truth. Uh, but then we get to meet Azzy. You know, just... <laughs> going into people's rooms telling them they're gonna die and i had a hard time watching this you know dan sits down to this sits down to this guy um who's dying and he really just kind of helps him through the process and this one this scene that we get is really kind of the first time dan does this and he's realizing that he can actually help calm these people down and this this guy in particular is the one who gives him the name dr sleep mm-hmm. and the man dies uh the steam comes out so you kind of get the idea that everyone who dies, you know, some sort of steam comes out of them. Mm-hmm. Their essence comes out of them. It's important to note that the steam is actually white compared to the book, which is red. Yes. So I don't know why they changed that, <laughs> but they felt the need to. Uh, so, but then he comes home from that and on the blackboard in his room is written, hello. And he writes back. And I don't believe that that's, was the, was that the first interaction on the blackboard? On the blackboard, yes, but it wasn't the first interaction that those two had. So right. what we don't really get, which I'm I'm almost inferring this, but w- during one of his AA meetings, he's like scribbling notes and like taking notes and he starts scribbling this name Abra. Yes. Doesn't know who it is, doesn't know what it means, but he, he starts scribbling it. I believe we're supposed to understand that she's actually talking to him at that point too. So that's yeah. really the first time she tries to communicate with him. Yes. The hello on the blackboard is the first time on the blackboard, but not on the first time that she tries to communicate. And she's very young at this point yes. too. Uh, so now we're flash forwarding eight years into the story and I have Thank God Dan shaved his beard. Uh, You now look like Jason Bateman. So weirdly enough, and I think they just did this for the sake of the movie, uh, eight years later actually puts us in 2019, which is when the book, when the movie was made. It's not the case in the book because the book was made in 2013. So they kind of, the the timing changes a little bit, but not to the point where you notice anything. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. Interesting. Dan is now eight years sober. We see him sitting with, you know, older people in the hospice again, you see that he's very comfortable with what he's doing and, and everything. And he goes back up to the, to the apartment and he sees on the blackboard, it says morning. And it, it believe it seems like he hadn't talked to her in a in, while. In a while Cause he goes, it's been a while mm-hmm. since I heard from you. So you're starting to kind of see like, okay, maybe she's, She's in need of something. Right. And the next thing we get is another scene of the True Knot at their RV park. Something I thought was interesting is that I got more of a feel in the book that these people were moving around constantly. Mm-hmm. And here you kind of see them at the beach once. You kind of see them, you know, yeah. somewhere else once. I think we're supposed to just understand that because it's been eight years, they probably have moved. We just didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they really are starting to struggle. They know that they haven't taken steam in a really long time. And, but then this is where we find out that there's a boy in Iowa that, because one of their powers is that they, they can track people with the shining. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to track this boy down in Iowa. So now we're in Iowa. And this is the scene at the baseball game where Danny Lloyd, Mm -hmm. who was originally Dan Torrance, is in the stands. And we see Brad. He's, I think he's about 12. Yeah. 
I think so. He's he's walking home. The actor that plays him, he's he's pretty well known. He was actually he played in Room, oh. uh, which I'm sure we'll cover in a future episode. But he, I feel like he just has this young look to him. Oh. No matter what movie he is, he's in. He looks the exact same <laughs> he's age. An ambiguous to me. age. Yes, he is an <laughs> ambiguous age. Uh, but it happens a little bit differently in the book. He's not at a base. He's like at baseball practice. Yeah, and he's not feeling good, and that's why he leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, here it's like he just decides to go home and he's walking home from the game yeah. and the true knot pulls up and they tell him to get into the van. Cause another one of their powers is to make people feel comfortable and to trust them. Mm-hmm. So he gets into the van with them and ugh, we see this awful scene of them to, of the true knot taking him to this like, you know, abandoned area and they kill him. And we know that they're killing the, they're killing kids, not just people. They're killing kids mm-hmm. for this scene because it's most, nutritious i guess and not only killing them but torturing them first because uh the steam is more prominent or is, is more stronger when they feel fear or pain i believe yes so yeah they torture these poor kids first and then they kill them stephen king is not afraid to kill a kid no like an it kids <laughs> This one, kids. Like, Maybe he doesn't like kids. I don't know. If it, I'm just like, I mean, some people tiptoe around it. He I is think like he has three kids of his own. So crazy. wild. <laughs> uh, but when he dies and he's screaming, it wakes up Abra. And at this point, Abra is so like worked up that Rose can feel her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she screams. And now back in Dan's room, she shatters the blackboard and it says red rum. Mm-hmm. This does not happen in the book. I not. loved the addition of it though. Yeah, there's uh, red rum does come into play in Doctor Sleep uh, in the book. It's very brief, and I believe he just sees it in the mirror when he's looking at himself. So very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. I really like the way that they incorporated it into the movie. Yeah, and you actually see Dan see it through a mirror mm-hmm. to where it says murder. Yeah. So I love that they added that. And then he's asking like who like who got murdered Mm -hmm. and she says baseball boy Mm -hmm. on the thing on the blackboard um and at this point you know rose is like we gotta find this girl like we need her she has so much power and it doesn't matter where she is we will find her what i thought was a little interesting is that there's no mention unless i didn't unless i didn't catch it there's no mention that tony is now abra's imaginary friend they don't really make mention of it, no. Um, I don't know why. I liked the the way that they linked the two of them in that way. Because in, in the book, you kind of got the sense that, like, Tony has... His work's done with Dan. Mm-hmm. And he's moved on now to another child who needs his help. So I was bummed that they didn't Yeah, I guess the only thing that I could see is that Tony doesn't play a huge role in The Shining, the movie. True. So maybe not bringing him over would have been too you much of a red round, red round, yeah, with that stupid finger. <laughs> so at this point in the book, Dan, we find out that Dan has this power where he can see flies on people's faces when they're going to die. Mm-hmm. And the more flies that are on their face, the, you know, the sooner it is they're going to die. And he talks about how his mom had, you know, when she had cancer, there were flies all over her face. Well, he sees those flies on Billy's mm-hmm. face and he he helps him out he ta- yeah. he basically tells him you need to go you need to go get checked out buddy buddy which is huge could you imagine having someone in your life that 
can tell you're about to die and something horrible is about to happen to Ugh. you. Like, so yeah, essentially in the book, he, he knows that he has some sort of stomach issue. He asks Dr. John to, Hey, can you find a friend that like can look at him? They come to find out he actually has like some sort of a stomach ulcer that it had, had they not known about it could have burst and he could have died. Right. <laughs> so big thing that well, they didn't include. And also we were talking about like, that was kind of like their trust, the trust between them kind of, became really strong during that point. Right. Like, All right. I believe you. Yeah. Billy notices like, oh, this guy clearly knows more than we think he knows. So right. maybe I should trust him. <laughs> and now Abra's at home and we see Dan asking if she's okay. Mm-hmm. And we see her at school now and she's like reading the kids' minds and kids are awful and are just rude. And she starts doing a search online for missing kids mm-hmm. and she sees the baseball boy's picture, which I thought was funny. It was like a mailer ad in the book, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's very different in the book because she doesn't actually go searching for the kid. No. She just happens to get the mail, looks at the back of this mailer and is like, wait a minute, like this looks very familiar to something that I, you know, I know or whatever. And that's how she kind of figures everything out in this. Like she actually goes searching and goes after looking for the guy. Yeah. So, I mean, not that it matters that they changed it, but uh, a little different. And we see her dad at home and her dad's a writer. And I thought that that was kind of funny how it kind of like correlated with Dan's dad was a writer. And there was a lot of like synchronicities between, Mm -hmm. between Abra and her parents and, and Dan and his parents. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a cool little nod. Um, so she's looking at the pictures that she printed off of the baseball boy. And she basically starts seeing like where they were and where they took him. And she sees the signs of, you know, the whatever the pl- abandoned plant that they took him to. And she then looks out the window. She kind of starts to levitate a little Mm -hmm. bit. And this is what I was talking about. This happens in Haunting of Hill House a lot, where they kind of like levitate and then they go into different scenes and it happens a lot. So it makes sense that it it happened in this movie (laughs) as well. And she ends up levitating and she falls into basically Rose's body in the store. They're seeing what each other are seeing. And I thought this scene was going to be really hard for them to act out because it was almost hard to understand in the book, I think, a little bit as well. It was just a lot. Yeah. A lot. Like, that was one thing about the movie, about the book is that there was so much to explain all the time. <laughs> and then it's like something happened and then someone had to tell somebody what happened. And I'm like, I know what happened. You just, it just happened. So that was one of the struggles I had with this book. And then at one point, you know, when Abra finally realizes that now Rose is in her body, in her mind, she screams and throws Rose back from in the, in the grocery mm-hmm. store. Um, she shatters the, uh cooler or the fridge too yeah (laughs) and that's pretty much what happens in the book doesn't it yeah but basically you get the idea that rose realizes abra's way stronger than she thought she was originally and her powers are basically we need her even more than we thought we did uh but at this point in the book uh she causes an earthquake yes and the dads throw an earthquake party we get no earthquake party in the book so sad no earthquake party (laughs) um so at the same time this is happening uh dan passes out and they say you were asking for tony like, and, you know, so there was a little bit of mention mm-hmm. of him, but not much. So at this point, Abra's ditching school to go find Dan. And she goes to New Hampshire to meet him. And that's not how it happens in the book. No, it's not. So in the book, she actually 
uses the blackboard to communicate with him and gives him her email address and Cadabra says, at Gmail. Um, basically saying, hey, use this and uh, like, let's communicate. So I, I don't know why they changed it. I don't know that I like it or hate it more. It, it is what it is. Yeah. So they start communicating via email and plan to meet up together to discuss in person. Very different than in the movie. Well, and he goes to her. She doesn't come to New Hampshire. Oh, right. He goes to Aniston. Yes. And the one thing I did love is that when they're sitting on the bench, he was like, yeah, this doesn't look right. Like, (laughs) I can't be seen with like a preteen. Like, this is weird. Again, very progressive. (laughs) But they're talking through their minds. And he actually, you know, describes and tells her, you know, what The Shining is. Because up to this point, she doesn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, she's basically him, you know, so many years ago. And so, you know, you can kind of see her you know, understanding a little bit more, but in her mind, she's like, okay, cool. So like, this is what we're going to do. Like she wants them to go find this baseball boy and help, you know, bring justice to him. And it's important to note too, in the movie, she says to him, if anyone asks any questions, just say you're my uncle. Yeah. In the book, he's the one that says that to her. True. So a little different, but important to know. Yes. (laughs) So, but important also is that Dan tells her like no i'm not gonna go do that mm-hmm. like just leave it alone like don't get involved it's dangerous these yeah. people sound dangerous like just leave it he's basically like base dim your shine yeah like let it you know let simmer it go and, away yeah let it go away and you know and to his defense like it kind of has ruined his life you know he became an alcoholic because of it mm-hmm. and and whatnot so but the next thing we get is they're at the hospice and Mr. Halloran comes to visit Dan. He tells him this is probably going to be the last time he sees him. So sad. And, you know, he tells him, like, you need to help her. Like, I helped you, mm-hmm. basically. In the book, it's a little different. He, like, comes through, like, a dead person's body, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like someone, I think it's a female that's dying and she's like, someone is coming to visit you some random weird th- I I didn't mind that they changed it in the movie <laughs> yeah. it was less confusing um but he does mention to Dan you, you know you have a debt to pay mm-hmm. basically insinuating that the thing that you did wrong with Deanie and her child like make it right by helping this poor girl exactly and at this time we kind of we get to see inside Dan's brain with his lock boxes and his lock boxes are actually in the in the maze from the overlook mm-hmm. and there's a lot of boxes yes. which in the book they only talk about two of them uh but here it's like all of them and they're very lavish they're very yes. nice <laughs> yes <laughs> they almost look like really nice coffins exactly but I, I, I thought I, visually it was it was great i yeah. was glad that they did that the next thing we get is we're told that abra's great grandmother is sick her grandmother plays, you know, at the end of the book, plays a pretty big role. We don't get her grandmother at all, basically, mm-hmm. in in the movie. She, you know, and Abra's very, very close to her grandmother in the book. Yeah. Basically, all throughout her life, she, the great-grandmother, has been a part of it. So, you, you know, in the younger years when weird things were happening, she was there. She and Abra's dad are the ones that went to Dr. John saying, we need your help. We need you to come look at our, you know... Our, our girl because there's things wrong with her so yeah you miss all of that um and then as we mentioned we'll get to it but there's a story relating to her great-grandmother and everything that kind of isn't shown in the movie that we'll talk about as well but yeah don't know why they didn't include her <laughs> yeah it seemed like that was like a storyline that sh- probably should have stayed in correct there, but uh the next thing we see is rose is trying to find abra and she's basically flying over the sky but she's meditating so it's flying through her mind i have in my notes that this was extremely corny 
oh the flying over yeah just I like didn't the underst- whole thing <laughs> yeah i didn't fully understand the need for that it was very like peter pan-esque yeah to me. i was like can we can we just have her sitting there and then her mind go like yeah it was very weird <laughs> yeah so she finally gets to abra's house she's outside uh, her house and goes through the window and She's seen the inside of Abra's head and there's a wall of filing cabinets. We get this explained a lot more in the book, but Dan had told Abra to set an alarm in your mind. Mm -hmm. So if she tries to come find you, something will go off in your mind. You can kick her out again. Well, Abra goes one step further and sets a trap. Correct. (laughs) What I loved in the book, which we didn't get in the movie is that she also becomes this like alter ego of herself, which (laughs) I guess they kind of do in the book. They like give her a wig and whatever. But in the, in the book, she becomes Daenerys from Game of Thrones. They even make a mention of that. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of funny. And I wish they would have like, played that out a little bit more in the movie. Um, but it does, you know, the same, the same type of thing. But uh, we come, come to find out Rose is trying to go through these filing cabinets of Abra's mind. She sticks her hand in the cabinet and Abra shuts it mm-hmm. and her hand gets stuck and it's disgusting. Like I get the panic to need to like pull it out, but like, did, did it need to be that grow like gru- gruesome yes, <laughs> like her skin literally peels off of her it's hand. disgusting <laughs> it's gross uh so but then you know it basically kicks rose back out of her mind because mm-hmm. at this time while she's stuck abra's now going through her- rose's mind and going through her filing right. cabinets so she's like i gotta get out of here i did enjoy that because she says you know compared to Abra's filing cabinets. Hers is a, a. It's like a cathedral. Or thank something. you. She calls it a cathedral, and you get that sense. Like mm-hmm. as Abra's looking at, it's like this massive. It made me think of Game of Thrones when um you have like the wall of the faces. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> so she gets kicked. She leaves Abra's mind, and now she's back at the RV park, and we see that Grandpa Flick is cycling. Um, and he ends up dying. And visually, I wanted a little bit more of the cycling because in the book, it's so graphic of how I basically mm-hmm. like disappear yeah. and come back and disappear and come back. But I was like, this looks awful. It kind of gave me um, Harry Potter vibes, like in the first movie when um, when Professor Quirrell at the end of the movie kind of just like vanishes into dust. Yeah, it's basically what happens. (laughs) That's what I got. (laughs) It's basically what happens. One thing to note, I guess we can talk about it here, is we see in the book, the true knot is starting to get sick. Yes. And it's not so much because they aren't eating. That's one of the things. But one of the steam, the baseball boy, they think had the measles. Yeah, so we're, we're basically led to believe that this poor kid never got the shot for measles um so whatever was in his system essentially made its way through theirs because they don't necessarily take all that steam at the you know all at once whatever was in the canister eventually has now created this issue for them and one by one they're slowly getting these red spots on their you know their Mm -hmm. body essentially insinuating that these people now have the measles. So on top yeah. of everything else, yeah. now they have the measles to but deal with. no mention of the measles in the movie. Zero. Which I was okay <laughs> with. So Abra calls uh, Uncle Dan, and he's finally ready to help her. He's like, all right, kid, like, 
Let's do it. <laughs> what so, else do I have to do? Right, what else do I have to do? So Billy and Dan, Dan ropes Billy into going on this adventure into Iowa with him. Uh, they take a road trip. In the in the book, they actually fly to Iowa, yes. I believe. They, and Dr. John is with them. And Dr. John is with them. Billy just goes willingly, I guess, in the movie. He, <laughs> there's no qualms about it. Um, but Abra gets a look inside of Dan's head. So she's actually in the back seat of the car, but she's not physically there. She's right. in Dan's head, which if you have no idea what's going on, you're probably like, what the heck? Like, where this, where this little girl <laughs> yeah, come why from? Are you with this? <laughs> but you know, she's starting to kind of see inside of Dan's head and Dan's like, get out of my mm-hmm. head, kid. Like, that's not okay. Yeah. She asks, asks him about the locks, lock boxes. And he's like, yeah, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we also see that Crow is now heading to find Abra. And in the book, Rose is like, I don't want to go. Yeah. Like, she's too powerful. I don't want to go. And in the movie, Rose really wants to go. She wants to be a part of this. And they convince her not to go, that she needs to stay with the with the knot. Yeah, I think we lose a little bit of the essence of Rose because in the book, she is the queen bee. Like, she is the decision maker for everything. And we lose that because if, if she's quick enough to be like, okay, yeah, you said I can't go. I won't go. Like we lose a lot of that. They were all, they were in the book. They're all like, why wouldn't she go? Right. You know? So I thought that was a little, a little different and not sure exactly why they changed that part. Uh, But Abra leads Billy and Dan to Brad Trevor's body and they find his glove and it's awful Mm -hmm. and it's disgusting. And it's, it, you know, in the book, (laughs) you know, having read the book, we know that they just, they end up, covering the boy's body back up and they say that they're going to call the cops later. Who knows if they did, but boyfriend Ray's like, are they just going to leave that kid there in the grave? And I go, there's a whole thing. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why they can't just call the cops right, right now. Because imagine, like, how t- suspicious would you be if you're the one calling, like, hey, by the way, there's a random body in a random abandoned plant. You might want to check that out. They're like, oh, really? Please come into the right. station. But it's like, in the movie, they don't even mention, yeah. they just, they don't mention if they do anything yeah. with the body. So I thought that was kind of Listen, in the interest of time. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so at this point, Dan says that Abra needs to tell her parents and they get back to Abra's house and her dad is pissed. Mm, rightfully so. So in the book, it happens a little different because Dr. John plays a little bit bigger of a role. Yeah. So because Dr. John is her pediatrician, they have a little bit more like respect for him, trust him more. And Dr. John's the one that's kind of like, you need to listen. Like this is a big deal. Cause he's also now gone to the gravesite of yeah. Bradley Trevor and knows this is no joking matter. So I think they believe him a little bit more um, because of Dr. John, but in the movie it's different because for whatever reason, Abra is able to show her dad yeah. what's going on, which is not the case in the book. No. So I don't, maybe that's kind of how they made him believe it a little bit more by being able to like physically show him what's happening. I just happening. love it. He was like, I need a drink. I'm like, same, <laughs> same. Uh, but Abra ends up touching the baseball glove that the guys brought back and she knows exactly where they are. And now she knows that they are headed to find her. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, all right, we got to come up with a plan. So I'll explain how it happens in the movie because it happens a little bit differently in the book. Mm-hmm. They decide, they're like, Abra, do you want to do a magic trick with us? And so they're all headed to the woods. So Dan and Billy are headed into the woods and Abra is too, supposedly. Mm-hmm. They get to the area where they're coming to find her. 
and the true knot shows up and Abra's just kind of sitting on the park bench. She's just sitting there kind of meditating. Mm-hmm. And Andy comes up to basically drug her, like tranquilize her. And the second she puts the needle into her neck, it turns into Abra's stuffed bunny hobby. Which I love. <laughs> yeah. So so she did this little magic because Abra is actually sitting at home with her dad mm-hmm. at this point. So, but then from the woods, Billy and Dan start basically just shooting out the out the true knot one by one and um and so we see them all start cycling and we see them all die and then andy runs into the into the rv she comes out and she's she's just about to kill she's just about to kill dan and billy comes up and he shoots her Mm -hmm. dan realizes like she has powers like she can make you do whatever i said whatever she says will happen and so Billy goes over to her and right before she dies, she says, kill yourself. And so then Billy turns the gun on himself and he kills himself. And I'm like, no. what happened? <laughs> no. I was like, why? I was like, Billy doesn't die in the book. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It really annoyed me because in the book, Andy doesn't, is, her powers are not that strong. No. The only real power she has is the making you go to sleep. Right. So these like powers where you can like, persuade people to do things i'm like mm, no what is this shit like yeah. <laughs> where did well, this come and from? i was just like billy and i, I was like billy you still have things to do in this in this movie yeah. so that was like crazy to me and then you know we then we find abra and she's like where's the crow where's the crow coming to find out she is inside he is inside abra's house mm-hmm. and he drugs her with it and then we see her dead on the ground and they killed her her dad. At first, I, I I saw the knife, like you know, like it's like zooming in and out, and I was like, oh, maybe it's like a small puncture wound. I thought I thought it was like, oh, maybe he drugged him too. It's just a giant <laughs> syringe, and I'm like, oh my god, they really just killed two people that yeah. did not die in the book, back to back. <laughs> yes, so that did not happen in the book. Mr. Flanagan gave zero f's. He's no. like, they're they're all killing dying. everyone. <laughs> um, but yes, very different than the book. So in the book, they devise a plan that basically. Abra's going to go to her friend's house and basically keep herself busy, but also her mind is still going to be with Dan. They actually use the train, the famous train from Teeny Town, yes. to to ride off into, you know, whatever abandoned area that they're going to go to. Um, but because she is in his brain, that leads the True Knot to believe that that's where she's going. She's supposedly going on a picnic with her dad. Um, so they you know, are led to believe to go there. What we kind of know is that they've actually made a stop at Aniston to get gas. Um, What we later find out is that's where the crow has kind of separated from the group because he had a feeling that something... Wasn't was, right. Wasn't right. So that's kind of how we get to, to that point. But the true not get there. There's still an ambush in the book. The, the, you know, Billy does not die. No. <laughs> um, but Billy's not even there. Yeah, he is. No, Billy is outside oh, right. the house. He's, he's right. standing guard outside the house. That's right. Yeah. So it's Dan, Dr. John, and and her dad. Yes. That's right. And her dad. Because I was like, there's definitely three people. Yes. Um, so yeah. So that's kind of how the standoff happens in the woods. And then um, back to Mr. Crow, uh, how he kidnaps her is she actually, while she's at her friend's house, um, pretends that she has 
menstrual cramps and is like, I'm just going to go home. Her house is two doors, you know, two doors down. So she walks home. Everything seems fine. Um, but as she's like screaming to, to Dan, like, where's the crow? Where's the crow? Mm-hmm. He crawls up behind her and, yes. and drugs her. Um, but he also, like you mentioned, Billy is outside the house. So he also has to drug Billy because he needs his car. Yes. Um, so he uses a... I hate it in the movie that he essentially just walks out with her with with her like thrown over his shoulder. I'm like, is no one... It's like broad daylight. Is no one watching right. this? I was very annoyed at that. It's basically like in Gone Girl when just no one pays attention. Right. So he ends up kidnapping Billy and Abra and at Abra, this yes. point. So in the book, so now Crow just has Abra. He kidnapped her. We find out that her dad did actually die. And I'm like, ugh, that yeah. sucks. Flashing over to Dan, Dan's like, oh my God, like this just happened. And we see him at his house and he wants to drink and he's trying to call for Abra. And then he's trying to call for Tony. He just needs somebody to like answer him. Ends up smashing the bottle like a good recovering alcoholic. Good job, Dan. And he decides like instead of calling for Abra, he's just going to sit there and listen, listen to the radio in his head. And he ends up finding her and she's all drugged up. She has no Mm -hmm. energy, anything. And he's just like, just listen to me. I need you to do this. And he's able to jump into her body. And this is the part I was talking about earlier when she kind of comes to in the back of the car (laughs) and is acting like Dan. I mean, basically it is supposed to be Dan. And I thought she did a great job. They they do what's called in the book, the turning of the wheel, which essentially is kind of what she did with Rose the Hat as well, where they're able to essentially bring their mind into that person's body. So... Looks wise, she still looks like Abra, but mentality wise, she is now Dan. Exactly. (laughs) And so they go kind of back, they go back and forth. At this point, Crow realizes what happened. He knows that that's not Abra anymore. (laughs) And so at one point, she realizes he doesn't have his his seatbelt on anymore. So she takes, or he, Dan, takes control of the wheel and basically flips the car into a tree and freaking crow goes flying through the windshield. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I was like, this is wild. Everyone is dying. (laughs) And at the same time, Abra starts, you know, after she realizes that he's dead, she goes up to him and is like, I hope that hurts, which she actually says in the book, later on mm-hmm. with somebody else, but I like the point where she did it then. Yeah. Uh, but Abra's walking down the street. She sees a vision of Rose and she just walks right through her. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't care. And this is where she says, bitch child, yeah. which is a big theme in the book. She calls her that, yeah. you know, quite a bit. I think it's bitch girl in the book. Bitch girl. Yeah. The, yeah. I was like, it's something weird like that. Why they changed it. Who knows? Yeah. So, and then now Rose is reeling and she's taking in all the steam and, um, we see Dan going and picking up Abra at the hotel. So that sequence happens a little differently in the book. Yeah. So in the book, as we mentioned, Crow has drugged both, Billy and Abra. So he's driving with them. They keep coming in and out of, you know, sleep and all this stuff. Um, Well, long story short, they have a standoff because Billy actually had a gun in his glove compartment that the crow finds. Shots are fired. People are, you know, there's a whole like situation happening. But essentially, um, similar to kind of what Dan did in the movie, they're able to mind trick him to turn the gun on himself and he ends up shooting the crow ends up shooting himself. So that kind of, you know, alleviates that problem. But the difference is now Billy is with Abra in the book. They're able to kind of drive to a motel and spend the night and kind of relax and like figure out what their next plan is. I felt really bad because in the movie, she's all alone. She's all alone. I mean, in the book, the whole gang comes and gets her. Her mom comes in, like they all come and get her. Yeah. So I think it shows like 
it, it shows how strong she really is that she's able to do all of these things and still like, yes, she feels like she has Dan in the back of her head, but essentially she's alone for the right. majority of this. So at this point in the book, a pretty big twist is revealed. Yes. This so, is... which we don't get in the movie at all. Yeah. This was another one of those. I had goosebumps because I was like, wow, what a I didn't interesting see it turn. Of, I didn't either. Not at all. So as we mentioned, Momo, who is Abra's great grandmother, we find out that uh, long story short, uh, Abra's mom's mom, which would have been her grandmother, uh, has passed away. But uh, when she was younger, she had a baby out of wedlock. She had her mom, Lucy, out of wedlock. Long story short, we come to find out that she went to, she student taught at the same school that Dan's dad was teaching at, which was Stovington, I believe was the yeah, name, right? It was a prep school. Yes, it was a prep school. So <laughs> they had relations and that's how Lucy was born. So big freaking plot twist. Yeah. Dan is actually Abra's half uncle. Yes. And that's why they're so connected. Yes. You know, Aside really. from having the shining, yeah. they're actually blood related. <laughs> yeah. And it's this huge storyline that we'll talk about again. It comes into play a little mm-hmm. bit later. I'm bummed. I'm really bummed that they didn't include it because they made note of the whole, if anybody, you know, asks, you're my uncle or I'm mm-hmm. your uncle. And that kind of had more meaning in the book, whereas right. in the movie, it's just like, oh. Not so much. Yeah. Well, and another thing that they didn't include in, in the movie is they actually have Abra call Rose multiple times and, like, antagonize her mm-hmm. and be like, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to you. Yeah. You stay where you are. She, I'm coming. She, multi- like, she calls her a coward multiple times, which really gets her uh, Rose riled up and even more angry that, like, I need now I need to possibly kill this bitch. Right. <laughs> So, and none of that happens in in the movie. So at this point in the movie, you know, Abra's back, back with everybody and Abra and Dan now head to Colorado Mm -hmm. because they know that that is where that they're going to be able to, to beat her. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why they actually go in the book to Colorado is because that is where the true knots like campground is yes they're in the town of sidewinder if you remember from the shining that's the town that they kind of drive down to um from the overlook that has like all the stores and everything yes so the big difference between the book and the movie here obviously we talked about the overlook is still in play in the movie Mm -hmm. it is still standing (laughs) so that becomes this next part of of the movie so dan and abra are on their way now to colorado they actually never went back they went straight from the hotel i'm mistaken and her mom calls is like just tell me you're okay and she's like i'll call you later and throws her phone out the window yeah she goes i love you and then turns to she hangs up she turns to dan's like okay but when we're safe like you'll call her right yeah he goes yeah and she throws her phone out the window i didn't understand why she and i'm like i'm sorry those phones are like a thousand dollars why are you throwing it out the window but also also like you don't need to throw your phone out right like no one is tracking you with your phone also like that child should not know that like tracking is a thing and like people can find you that way right so they're heading up the mountains to the snow we outlook hotel and Overlook. we get i just honestly i loved this entire next scene it was just it was so great so abra they're now outside abra stays in the car and dan goes inside and wakey wakey <laughs> the hotel starts to wake back up so as dan goes back into the hotel because if you remember like the hotel wanted dan 
it fed off of his energy. And so the lights start coming back on, all that stuff. And he goes down to the boiler room. Mm -hmm. We don't see exactly what he's doing, but he goes down there, which we know is a big part of The Shining, especially the book. Yes. Well, remember that. The boiler is what ended up blowing up the hotel in the book. Correct. Then he goes to the door that his dad chopped down. (laughs) And he looks through it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I even like jumped because they do a reenactment of when Jack, you know, was trying to get in. And then he goes to the bar, the Colorado Lounge. And this is where we see, quote unquote, Lloyd, the bartender. And, you know, it's supposed to be Jack. And he has this conversation with his dad. And he keeps saying, like, you're mistaken. I'm not your dad. And he's He's like, like, I'm just the bartender. Yeah. And it was this eerie, wonderful scene. And, you know, Jack is telling him, you know, to take your medicine. And I'm like, Dan, don't do it. Don't take the drink, Dan. And he doesn't. Like a good recovering alcoholic, he doesn't. He's following the steps. Exactly. (laughs) And so just that whole scene was just so... It was like nostalgic. It really was. It was so awesome. And then now we see that Rose is now at the hotel. Side note, her jacket was fabulous in this scene. I loved it. I want it. I liked her wardrobe throughout. <laughs> in Arizona, I don't need, you know, a friggin' camel straw or whatever it is. No, but in Colorado you do. Yeah. But she she's now in the hotel and she sees the blood coming out of the elevator, which I thought was, again, such a great scene. Yeah. And then she finds Dan and Abra, who has come into the hotel now, standing on those lobby stairs, which are, you know, iconic yes. in the in the original Shining. That's where, you know, Wendy ends up hitting Jack with the stupid baseball bat and he goes tumbling <laughs> down and you just get this feeling of like, it's all happening yeah. again. Even the typewriter was on the table, oh, which I love. So great. So at this point, they get into Rose's mind again, and they take her out to the giant snowy maze made out of styrofoam and, <laughs> and salt. It's probably CGI'd at this point. Yes. Um, but like at this point, you're kind of trying to, you're like, are we in Rose's mind? Is she in theirs? Like, you're not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. And then we see, you know, we see the footsteps inside the maze like Danny did yeah. at the end of The Shining. And Abra comes and starts slicing Rose's leg. So you're like, okay, this is this is their game, yeah. right? You know, Rose ends up gab- or grabbing Abra by the throat and Dan is trying to, they're trying to put her in one of those lock boxes, you know, yeah. and it's not that easy. Yeah. Too easy. You're not, not going to get her that way. She recognizes that, oh, wow, you're actually just the bait. Yeah. Like, I'm not dealing with the real thing right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so she doesn't get into the lock box and, you know, so now they're back inside the lobby on the stairs and she throws Dan down the stairs just like his dad <laughs> like exactly like his dad and you know he like had she had like stabbed him with the axe and mm-hmm. ugh, it was at awful. first it looked like it was it went to his private parts yeah but then it was like oh no it's just like just his artery um and you know she's you know pushing down on it and steam starts to come mm-hmm. out of Dan well at the same time click 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 Dan is unlocking all of the lock boxes in his mind and they are all coming out. All the monsters from the hotel that he has had locked away for years are coming out into the steam. That scene was perfection. It was (laughs) so great. And, you know, so now Rose 
is basically being eaten alive by all of these ghosts from the hotel. And you're like, yes, like (laughs) this is so great. And then they turn their head and they see Dan right there and they start doing the same thing to Mm -hmm. Dan. And then we see those GD twins. I was like, I don't need to see these twins. Like, I'm so sick of these twins. I need them out of my head. Forever and ever and ever. I was like, get out of here. You weren't even in the book. But anyway, so Dan is now possessed just like Jack was. And he's trying to find Abra. He's going through the hallways. Same mannerism as Jack. So Abra finally gets to room 237 which we all know that's Mrs. Macy's room. Mm -hmm. And she goes in and, you know, she can see her. And now Dan walks in and he's super possessed, super creepy. Yeah. Like one glass eye, one regular eye. (laughs) Awful. But she pulls Dan out for a minute. And you know, deep down that he knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Like he was doing this for a reason. He wants her to get out of the hotel. He's like, you need to get out of here right now. And, It's very, uh, it's very reminiscent of kind of his interaction when he was a kid with his dad. Because when he's chasing after him, he has a moment where he's like, you're not real. Like, this is fake. Like, and that's what kind of eventually turns, Mm -hmm. um, Jack Torrance into like bashing himself over the head. So this is kind of similar to that where Abra's like, this isn't real. This isn't you. Exactly. And so at one point we remember oh yeah, Dan went down to the boiler room Mm -hmm. and you're like, you knew exactly what that meant. That if you remember from The Shining, the book, the big thing is that you had to control and let out the steam. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the steam from the boiler. I just realized that. Wow. Anyways. (laughs) um, And if you didn't, it would blow up the hotel. So Abra realizes, gets the heck out of the hotel and then the hotel goes up. In flames. And, but before that happens, we see Dan in the boiler room with his mom. And it was kind of a sweet little really sad. But yeah, you have this like struggle where you can see that his good and his bad is trying to like battle between do I turn the knob? Do I not? Is it even Mm -hmm. worth it at this point? Is it too late? Who knows? And then, yeah, you get that little scene with his mom. So, which the hotel finally blows up, which (laughs) was supposed to happen in the first movie. Exactly. (laughs) But happens. A little bit differently in the book. A lot of it differently in <laughs> A the lot book. of it differently. <laughs> so basically... Um, I'm going to sit back and just enjoy my wine while you go through this. <laughs> All right. Please chime in if I've forgotten anything. You got this. Um, so basically in the book, Abra talks, as we mentioned, she talks to Rose a couple of times. Basically, she gets her to agree to meet her at what was the Overlook, but is now just a... Uh, there's a lodge and then some, you know, RVs. RVs, Yeah. Um, Basically meet her there and meet her there alone. She says that, you know, put everybody, put all of your other true not people in this lodge. I want to meet you face to face because if you're not a coward, then you can face me one-on-one. She somehow agrees to do it, but we kind of realize both have differing plans. So essentially the plan is Dan, Billy and Abra, which she is and isn't there, go to Colorado. They devise this plan to essentially say, okay, Abra's going to be in the truck with her uncle, who is actually Billy. Um, uh, Billy's going to, you know, canvas the area, make sure that no one's there. And then eventually Abra's going to walk up to Rose. What actually ends up happening is Dan has been dropped off by Billy, like at a different area where he's going to 
essentially walk up the trail and catch her from behind, catch Rose from behind and surprise her. What we also know is the majority of the people are from the Truna are in the lodge. There's one person who isn't even mentioned in the movie. Her name Silent is Sari. Silent, Silent Sari, um, who basically Rose has asked to hide in this shed because her, her power is that she can be essentially invisible. Hide in the shed. And then if you hear me saying you're, you're going to get punished, that's your cue to come help me. Billy drives up. What we've come to find out is they've bought a mannequin to look like Abra to put in From the passenger some seat. some kid's clothing store that just happens to be going out of business <laughs> in some podunk town in Colorado. Hey, you know, if you need it, it's there. Sure. Um, so essentially there's a mannequin in the, in the passenger seat. They do drive up and Rose is looking down and she thinks, okay, Everything that she has said up to this point is correct. She's sitting in the car, whatever. Lo and behold, uh, Billy gets out, canvasses the area, and then decides to do some sort of a cartwheel to say, hey, look at me. Right, it was very strange. <laughs> During that time, she uh, Rose realizes, oh, things are not as they seem. There's something going on. Meanwhile, Dan and Abra, through his mind, are at in the lodge. They have basically devise the plan to get everybody in the same place so that they can kill them all at once because they know once they kill all of them, Rose will be very vulnerable and be by herself. So huge thing, we mentioned Momo is not in the movie at all, but a, an important thing to know is because of Dan's power of being able to help people, you know, go to sleep and essentially eventually die, he helps Momo do this in the book. Well, when she, when he does this, what we don't realize is that he has taken some of her steam as she dies and is now using that steam to kill everybody and in the And it's making lodge. him sick up to this point as well. Yes, because he has another box, lockbox in his head that actually holds this steam. So he, up until this point, has felt very sick, but he knows that in order to do this, he needs to hold this in. Finally, he's able to let it out. He lets the steam out and this causes all of the remaining True Not people to start um, cycling. Start cycling. Thank you. And they all die. Off with the true knots. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all that's left is Rose the Hat and um, Silent Sari that's sitting in the shed. So finally, Dan and Rose have a standoff. What Dan doesn't realize, he thinks that the shed is, is empty, um, but Silent Sari's in there. When Rose gives the cue, Silent Sari notices that there's another entity in the shed. And this person or ghost ends up being the um Horace. <laughs> Horace, Horace, thank you, from the from the hotel who Dan was able to let out of his lockbox once they got there because he's like, oh, he can be useful. Right. So he, he you know, he, he sets them off and that's who ends up actually um killing Silent Sari. <laughs> so now she's really alone. Rose is really alone. Again, they have a standoff. Long story short, they she somehow falls off of the mountain or something. She breaks her neck and that's essentially how she ends up dying. What we come to find out is they do make a quick mention of this at the very beginning of the movie that her hat is magical, that it has magic. So what uh, Abra through Dan's mind is like, we need to burn this hat because whatever essence there is, it's still kind of in this hat. So they burn the hat and then <laughs> everything comes to a head. Billy, who's not dead. No, not dead Billy. <laughs> not dead Billy. They, him and Dan drive back. Um, this entire time, Abra's actually at home. So she's been able to telepathically kind of lead Dan to, to finish everything. 
they go home. Everyone's happy. Things are okay. Her dad's still alive. Billy's still alive. It's a happily ever after. It is. It really is a happily ever after. Dan's still, you know, sober and life goes on. And that that's is not what happens in the movie. The no. last scene we get in the movie <laughs> is Abra's in her bedroom uh, and she's talking to Dan, mm-hmm. which you end up realizing that it's like his ghost yeah. or whatever. But he tells her to just keep shining on, which I was like, oh, yeah, you shine on, girl. You do it. <laughs> uh, and then she goes, which I loved how this ended. She goes into the bathroom because if you remember, if you remember in the in the movie, she does end up seeing Mrs. Macy and mm-hmm. Mrs. Macy ends up going basically along with her and is now haunting her like she did Dan. And so she goes into the bathroom exactly like Dan did and put, put that lady in a box. That was so great. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends. So quite a bit different, not as, you know, feel bad for her mom, lost her husband, like all this stuff's happened. So quite a bit different. Um, so do you think the movie stayed true to the book? Um, <laughs> with the exception of the ending, I feel like for the most part, yes. That ending, what an ending. I, I mean, know. to your point that you made earlier, he gave us the ending that we deserved. We and that's and that's kind of where I have to say like it did it stayed true. It just stayed true to the story, I guess. Like, I mean, I was so kind of upset about how the movie ended yeah. of The Shining that I was like, this is what we needed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it stayed true to the book for the most part. There were some things that, you know, it wasn't as creepy as I thought it was going to be. No, it almost didn't feel like a horror. It was a little bit more like fantasy and like, yeah. you know, kind of mind, you know, mind bending. Yeah. Not so much horror, which uh, I was okay Haunting with. Haunting of Hill House is not not scary. It mm. is scary to the max. I'm going to keep pushing that off. I know you keep <laughs> making me want to see that. But next, no. next Halloween season. <laughs> uh, so would you buy the book or the movie? So this is actually another really hard decision for me because mm-hmm. I loved the ending of the movie. I thought they did such a good job. The fact that we got so many different like nods back to The Shining and like they did it the right way. It was so great. But overall, I do think that the book was better. So if I'm going, you know, overall, I still have to pick the book. (laughs) I'm shaking my head. I can't. I'm going to pick. Okay. I will give it to you that the beginning of the movie isn't, they rush a lot of Mm -hmm. things and they skip over a lot of things, but I can't, I can't not give it to the movie because of the ending. It was so amazing. The last 20, 30 minutes of this movie are so great that I can't not pick the movie so and like i said i struggled with this book i thought it was very long there's a lot of repetition of things that didn't need to be repeated so i'm going with my movie on this one all right (laughs) agree to disagree (laughs) hey you kind of agreed with me no i do i agree yeah i think i just i have to give it to stephen king like he he just writes incredible books i gave him the last one fine All right, that's it for this one. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app. Go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Booby Girls. You can also email us at theboobygirls at gmail.com. And as we mentioned earlier, we are now on Patreon. (laughs) So we've got a couple different levels for you. So we've got the rom-com level, which is the $2 level. This gets you episodes at least 24 hours in advance of everybody else, which is pretty awesome. And you also get access to our Karen reviews. Do you want to tell them what that is? Uh, Karen reviews 
views are all those people who have an opinion about everything and they're just not the right opinions. And we the read time. them and we laugh about them. <laughs> um, and then we've also got the drama level, which is our $3 level. Um, basically, you get everything we, I mentioned before. You also get a sticker for joining. It's shiny and cute. It's so cute. Um, you also get a shout out in our episode for being a patron. And then you also get access to our after credits party episodes. Want to tell them what that is? Uh, that's where we just talk about life, you know? Like, a lot of times we, we can relate to these books and these movies. So, you know, we probably had a couple glasses of wine by that point. <laughs> Basically, like we said earlier, more of us, because that's yes. really what you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, we made it through three of five Halloween episodes. Yes. You've done okay for now. So... <laughs> okay, I think I've done pretty, pretty well. You've done pretty good. You've been I haven't pretty been, good. I haven't been totally petrified. <laughs> so, next week episode is requested episode from the one and only Miss Aaliyah. <laughs> Aaliyah's boyfriend Ray's daughter. And when we decided to do this podcast, she's like, you got to do scary stories to tell in the dark. And I was like, I have no idea what that is, but let's do it. Let's do it. So we're going after it. We give the kids what they want. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. Bye.